Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It's 2 p.m. in Memphis. Giannato and Jeffrey time. Get off the fence. Live on Memphis's sports station. 92.9 FM ESPN. Welcome to the Giannotto and Jeffrey Show. Coming to you live from Memphis, Tennessee. My name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter at jwright929ESPN. Dennis Fuller producing the program for us. Glad he is with us. Sitting across from me is the Commercial Appeals Lead Sports Columnist. The Lead Sports Columnist, the number one sports section in the state of Tennessee. The top three sports columnists in the state of Tennessee. Barely. Tied for eighth best sports columnist in the United States of America. He's on Twitter at MGNato. Mark, good day, sir. You know, I didn't get very much sleep last night, Jeffrey, but I woke up still kind of buzzing from that Tigers game last night. That was, there's just very few times that you're actually physically at a game where you come away going, I don't know if I've ever seen anything like that. Like, how often do you really truly say that to yourself about a sporting event these days, considering how many sporting events you watch? So I think last and night... especially was, in person. Last like, that night, was what added to it. Last night was for better or for worse, like, college. That was just peak college basketball. Yeah. Because yeah. it wasn't... It certainly was not good basketball. But it was thrilling. Yes. I mean, that, the the sequence of Damari Franklin stealing the ball. Oh, I think he can Jonathan go back. Lawson put it, it. Honestly, you're right. It started when DeAndre Stole, got the steal. When DeAndre got, gets the steal and they. They steal it right back. Correct. Yeah. Uh, and then <laughs> neither team could score. Um, I still have no idea. What was that play out of the timeout? Where DeAndre got the ball at the top of the key, and then they, he was trying to throw it. They were trying to take advantage of, I guess, a mismatch because they'd done it a couple times earlier in the game, where McCadden had a smaller guy on him and was able to kind of score in an odd post arrangement, if you right, will. But it almost looked but like this it was... time. This time they were ready for it, but it almost looked like that they were like trying to set up an alley oop, but DeAndre threw like a fastball at his head. Yeah, he was, like, trying to throw it over the defender, sort of, it felt like. And he just, frankly, this happened numerous times uh, <laughs> during the end of the game. Uh, DeAndre it, misfired. Uh, <laughs> it happened eight times, yeah. to be to be well, over the course of the game. I mean, it was just wild. So um, what are we going to be talking about going into the weekend? Uh, I think we're going to be talking about Tiger basketball. After a season when they've kind of taken a back seat to the Grizzlies, by and large, I, I think – Last night and this weekend, even though it's NBA All Star Weekend and John Jaron are there, is it you know the Tigers are uh, 
a big story based on what happened last night, both in terms of Kendrick Davis and how that game went, and then also Sunday at Houston. Biggest game of the year to date, correct? I think You're playing the number two team in the country who, if they win, will be the number one team in the country. I think that's... I think that's fair. The only hesitation I have is what we're going to talk about. Yes. Um, we'll dive into that in a second, and we'll talk All-Star Weekend. 240 or so, Blake Topmeyer, he's the SEC columnist for the USA Today Network. He'll join us like he always does on Fridays. We'll uh, talk to him about this, uh, some of this realignment stuff going on. We, we have prominent college football writers going, basically writing like, well, what happens if the Pac-12 collapses? Like, it's not just – like. You brought it up at the beginning of the week, right? And I, I expect carnage, carnage situations to be told to me on the realignment front by you. Mm-hmm. I don't expect it out of like Dennis, Dennis Dodd, Dodd yeah. and like Pete Thamel. Um, so we'll dive into that with Blake Topmeyer later this hour, three o'clock or so. We will get into the list. Um, I, I got to. We'll, we'll talk Tiger Woods and this controversial tampon gate. Controversial, sexist. Have you? Have, what did you tell your kids? practical joke? What did you that tell he your played kids? on Justin Thomas? I don't know. I'm just thinking about what. What are Justin Thomas's kids going to think That's later on when they hear about this? It's a good point. Um, but Tiger's playing golf. What if? What if Poppy McElroy was watching? That's unbelievable. Rory was in the group. Um, and and I got to get your thoughts on. I can't. I honestly, until today, I had chosen to ignore the possibility that Eric Bieniemy was going mm. to be the Washington Commanders' offensive coordinator because I was like, "This is there's this no, way. No, there's this no way. There's no way. No sense. There's no way." But apparently, as of today, I need to start thinking about it. So we're going to talk about Eric Bieniemy's situation. The fact that he apparently is so undesirable as a head coach, he has to go become the Commanders' offensive coordinator. How does this make any sense? <laughs> I don't understand it at all. Uh, we'll get into it in the list, and then we'll uh, we'll give you our games of the weekend. Um, first weekend without football. I may not have a game. What? I may not have a game. Oh, really? Just depressed. Just out, out of respect yeah. for football. Out of respect for yeah. football. Well, well just did died. you find it a good marketing ploy, the USFL, going eight, only eight more weeks till real football's back? On those ads, shouldn't they just start this week? <laughs> well, so that, that's the whole problem, though. In in previous iterations of these leagues, like imagine it, like if the Memphis Showboats' first game was this weekend, it's going to be freezing out. Well, I think the other problem they they run into is now. I will say when, when you start when you start in February, you have a chunk of the season that comes up against the tournament, and yeah. it just gets suffocated. One, well, like I mean, honestly, you're you're going to run these like the the Showboats, the first home game is going to be – could potentially align with – it's the first weekend of the NBA playoffs. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless. But the NBA playoffs are, like, spaced out and long. I mean, there's no – you can't avoid – like, you got you to gotta avoid something. I mean, more locally, I guess, I would think about it. Like, if the Grizzlies are playing the same day the Showboats have their debut, uh, kind of get overshadowed eh, ask, a little bit. Request an afternoon game. <laughs> well, it's on national TV. The Showboats are the first game of the USFL season this year. Like not just it's not just their they, first. It's they're the, opening. They're yeah. opening the league season this year, um, but we'll get we'll talk about that another time. Um, let's talk about Memphis basketball and that win last night, sixty four sixty three over UCF. They come out 
like gangbusters, go up 19-4, looks like Kendrick Davis is going to torch UCF, back up his kind of comments about how he didn't appreciate how they talked after the after the win. It was, But then, you know, to, to give UCF credit, like even before Kendrick got hurt, they kind of fought their way back in the game. That Taylor Hendricks kid is legit. There were, you know, there were 20 NBA scouts there last night. 20 teams, excuse me, I represented um, there to see Taylor Hendricks, to be quite honest. Um, but then with a little over four minutes to go in the first half, Kendrick hurts his ankle, um, and it became pretty clear pretty quickly that this was different than the other tweaks of the ankle he's had this year. Obviously, he didn't return to the game. We learned that at the end of halftime, but he had to be helped from the court. He, like, very clearly, like, with hand motions, was kind of gesturing from the get-go like he was in pain and, like, he didn't think he could go back in the game. It didn't even seem like, and maybe they didn't show it on on the plus broadcast. We'll get into that as well. But it didn't even look like he even did, like, the half-hearted, like, you go run in the tunnel or... No, 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 like no, you no, try, no. You know what I mean? Like I he, think it was yeah. pretty quick. Like, uh, it was... I, I think he decided, and they decided he couldn't go back in the game... Uh, pretty quickly there um and so the tigers end up holding on for dear life and literally we mean dear life although it's funny they were up with 12 25 to go they were up 13 they had actually widened the lead slightly from the time from like the last four minutes of the first half and the first eight minutes of the second half they actually widened the lead slightly without kendrick davis on the floor so there's this thought that this is good, like an abject disaster based on the way the game ended if if Kendrick is out for, you know, the foreseeable future, let's say. But I will say there was some moments of competent basketball in there. It's just completely sh- clouded and should be by the final 12 minutes of the game. Um, Jeffrey, I went over those final 12 minutes. Like I, I combed over the play-by-play. Memphis had 22 possessions during that time, the final 12 minutes, up until the Demaria Franklin game winner. Among those 12, 22 possessions, there were 11 turnovers. That's it? That's it. It felt like more, because every other possession, it felt like more. No, well, now it was like the last five minutes. I mean, again, they did not get a shot off. I mean, I think this is the most incredible thing about the game. The last shot attempt they had before DeMarie Franklin got that layup with seven seconds to go. Shot attempt that they got up. It was DeAndre's was at goaltend, f- right? was with five minutes, 21 seconds left in the game. And that was the goaltend, correct? I believe yeah. so, yes. And, like, they didn't even get a field goal attempt up for five minutes of gameplay. So that's why it felt that way. Because yeah. a lot, of, like, they had 11 over the final 12, but I bet you they had seven over the last five. And they had 19 of their 24 turnovers from the time Kendrick left the game. They had five turnovers when Kendrick left with four minutes or so to go in the first half. Um, But they had, so so they had 11 turnovers in those 22 possessions. They were two of 10 from the field during those possessions. And they also had um, two DeAndre Williams missing the front end of of a one-and-one. Those were the 22 possessions. Oh, and yeah, so two makes. Yeah, two makes, 10 misses. 
excuse me, eight misses, 11 turnovers, and two missed front ends of the one and ones. So, to my original point, mm-hmm. they scored six points over the last 12 25 of the game and won. Like, to me, it is. <laughs> it became a situation where it was obviously the ending. The ending also impacts how it went. Like, for instance, I was thinking about forget about who won. If UCF just, if UCF, like, if let's say Memphis actually fouls on that final possession or UCF, whatever, second possession, second to last possession, the possession that led it to the layup. If they just foul and UCF makes two free throws, Memphis misses a three. Are we still talking about it? Because I think it was, I think it was the actual sequence of the Memphis running around trying to foul, unable to unable to get the foul, then getting the steal, and then the layup. And even the layup, it wasn't like clean. It kind of hung on the rim for a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think it was that sequence. Like I don't think we're feeling like this is an insane game. If oh, it's just a depressing game. If they if yeah. they just go out, if they end up like if if what happened if. if if they end up fouling there, like ultimately, I think it comes down to this. When I think about this game, the refs should have called a foul on the on the possession where Demario Franklin gets the steal. They were trying to foul. Penny Correct. was yelling for them to foul, and Demario Franklin said, "That's what we were trying to do." And nine times out of ten, the ref just instinctually calls a foul there. He, you know what I mean? Like because teams are trying to foul in that situation, down one with the shot clock off. Yeah. I also felt like, did Memphis really get close enough? I guess there was that one trap close to you. That one trap, like, inside the half-court line, kind of, like, right in front of the scorer's table. Mm -hmm. I guess that one. But, like, that was the other thing. Like, Memphis really didn't get close on some of these. Yeah. I've seen... I've seen... Uh, You've seen less called for a foul. Less called for a foul, especially in that situation where... Everyone knows the team wants to have a foul called. Um, but, no, I think it's just, you know, if they lose by three, if, like, UCF goes and hits two free throws and then Memphis misses a three at the buzzer, like, yeah, I think you're feeling, like, really bad because ultimately, and I think it all comes back to Kendrick, and what are we going to be talking about? I think we're going to be talking about what's ha- what happened with Kendrick over the next few days. Yeah, what's the status? What's his status? Does he play against Houston? If you lose to UCF, you feel there's much greater urgency going into this Houston game, I think. If you lose yesterday because you feel like you might have to make up for something because you lost another home game, even though this home game would be different than the Tulane game given the circumstances of Kendrick getting hurt, um, you'd still feel pretty terrible. Right, because about it's it. not only not only do you lose the game in that's in that scenario. Now you're like you, saying you're, you're feeling like do we have to like you, rush him back? You feel like you've lost the season at that point. Yeah, like it yeah yes. Even whereas, though you still technically have opportunities. Whereas now and this is I I, I wrote this in my column at commercialpill.com. I wrote this last night. Like I'm telling Kendrick Davis at this point, because as I've said all week it was far more important to get that win last night to me than it was than it is to beat Houston on Sunday. Just like I think if you look at the, the last five games of the season, that's what we're down to now, it's far more important to beat Wichita State, Cincinnati, and SMU than it is to win either of those Houston games. It just is. 
That's how this works in terms of making the NCAA tournament. I'm not talking about in terms of getting the highest seed possible. I'm talking about making the NCAA tournament. What's important right now is those three games you're supposed to win, not the two you're not supposed to win. Yeah, this to me, Sunday should be treated like I would, even if Kendrick wants to play, I would say no. It's better for the team for you to rest for a full week. If you know, if you were so hurt you couldn't play in the game the other last night, like I want to make sure this ankle is as good as possible. I know it's probably never going to be a hundred percent this year, the rest of the year, and it's going to be a concern. You know, him turning his ankle is going to be, you know, he's done it several times this season. He hadn't done it in a while, but from here on out, it's going to be something that's in the back of your head. And I want to make sure that he's as healthy as possible for the Wichita State game because that's much more important to win than winning at Houston. Yeah, I guess we're – I am struggling. But my gut tells me he's going to try to play on Sunday. I don't know how effective it will be. I don't know if it will play. But my gut tells me just from the way Penny was talking. I'd like to know how he feels. I mean, that's the other thing. Like, you, One rule with Penny, you cannot trust anything Penny says about injuries. Positive mm-hmm. or negative. Like, you just can't. Mm-hmm. But the thing that is interesting to me is we've seen Kendrick go down and come back in. Mm-hmm. This one was yeah. like a, a no-doubter. No, and here's the reality. He left the court in a walking boot with crutches. and I'm Not wa- putting any weight on that ankle. And again, if he plays great, awesome. Like, mm-hmm. I, I hope he misses zero games, and I hope he mm-hmm. plays fantastic. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes the athlete tells you the story without mm-hmm. even having to say what it is. Mm-hmm. That was a different reaction from Kendrick than we've seen throughout the year when he gets hurt. Yeah, He looked dejected. Yeah. Well, it was an incredible ending, though. I'll give him that. Um, as unlikely as it gets, really, it felt like. Just the way that played out. Memphis in that situation doesn't normally win the game. Like, I mean, in in terms of not Memphis, like, in its history, like, the team that is typically the one that is collapsing like that then doesn't come back and get the game-winning bucket. That doesn't happen very often. It felt to me, it felt like, remember the NFC Championship game when Brock Purdy got hurt and then Josh Johnson gets hurt? Mm -hmm. It felt like when you were watching, like, that stretch where, like that last 13 minutes that you're talking about, mm-hmm. and you're just watching it and you're like, this is just terrible. Like, they can't do anything. You know, you're having to watch Brock Purdy come in just to hand it off. Like, they didn't have any offense to run. It felt very similar, except the difference is, I give them all the credit in the world. Despite all the losing basketball plays that they made down the stretch, they made winning plays. Like, give them, I give them credit. Well, and, and here's the other thing, and I think it was a combination of a Johnny Dawkins UCF team that's not good they, they on offense, but we mentioned how terrible those 22 possessions were for Memphis. Over the last nine minutes, it's not like UCF was setting the world on fire. They were 2 of 13 from the field over the last nine minutes of the game. No, I do and th- part of that is Memphis's defense. Part of that is, I think, just UCF is not a good offensive team. But, like, your defense, all, like, I think an unsung part of all of this, both in the sense of how it ended the final the final seconds and also just in general was their defense because I think the the play that was maybe I, I think as impressive as what Demarie did was DeAndre Williams defending at the rim yeah. 
one-on-one in the closing seconds and, like, going straight up. And, yeah, I think the refs had decided to kind of swallow their whistle, but it also felt like when you watched on replay, you go, that's good defense. I mean, he did go straight up. Yeah. I've seen that get called. Yeah. Uh, To me, though, it was – I think you make a good point in this sense. A better – like, Memphis was trying to give the game away, but UCF was not good enough to take it. Mm -hmm. And I think a better team takes that from them. And I think you see why UCF is, you know, in the end, it's a it's a team that you look at and you think, man, they should be better. Yeah. But it did also feel like, and again, so much of this is going to be clouded by Kendrick's status. Mm-hmm. But it did feel like, man, you 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 avoided the quote unquote disaster because I do think. If you lose that game and I mean, I you're, think sitting, that, you're sitting there dealing with the Kendrick loss, like that feels like the type of like devastation where, you know, I've just seen teams never recover well, from that. Let's just be real. That game showed you that if they don't have Kendrick against at Wichita State or Cincinnati at home, they're going to have a lot of trouble winning those games. Well, because it's even more. It's not only do you not have Kendrick, you don't have Alo. Yeah. So you don't even have your backup. You don't even have yeah. the other guy. The other guy that would be able to run the offense and not obviously not run it to the level that Kendrick runs it, but at least no, it puts too much pressure on you. You saw it. Deandre Williams couldn't handle it without him last night. Tried to do way too much. Didn't look good doing it. Um, Elijah McCadden for a minute there looked like it was like, Oh my gosh, like why haven't we unleashed this side of him before? But then you saw over time, like it's too much pressure on a player like him to, to have him doing that much. Um, I you suppose, saw it happen over the course of the game. If you want to be glass half full guy, I suppose what you could say is, well, they haven't really, like, they do have a couple of days to practice and try to figure out a plan. They didn't have a plan at that point. Like, you yeah. don't, they weren't. No, I asked Penny, like, if you're going to not have Kendrick, what right. you, like, and he his answer was sort of like, I'll have to, I think the way he phrased it was, I'll have to, like, junk it up defensively and we'll just have to space it out offensively. Um but, I mean, who even becomes the primary ball handler? But, like, it, it's funny because I, I was getting some tweets during the during the closing 10, 12 minutes, like, really critical of Penny's coaching. And I'm just like, what the hell is he supposed to do? The conference player of the year is out. Like, they had no plan for this. You know, like, yeah, there's some things. Like, you mentioned the play at the end of the game where, you know, what, what set were they running there where DeAndre's throwing it into yeah. McCadden. But I would point out, like, that worked earlier in the game. But, yeah, I can see, you know, in in that sense, yeah. But in general, I just kind of look at it as, you know what? Like, if, if Kendrick Davis is hurt, this team is not set up to be successful in that scenario. Like, the team was built around that no, guy. We, we talked about it. As long as Kendrick and DeAndre are on the floor together, mm-hmm. that's a tournament team. Yeah. Well, one of those two is not on the floor. Mm-hmm. And further, you don't even have another ball handler on the floor. Yeah. I mean, I do think there's a human nature aspect of you're watching, you're watching something that do you care. Do something, right? It's you have to have the scapegoat. Yeah. Like you, you got to someone do something. I do think he should have called timeout when Lawson was that Jonathan. Jonathan had the ball at the floor. I believe that he, was Chandler. Chandler, you got trapped. And he said he tried to call it, but it's like you had to. He my, did. He did. I was. I called, remember it. But, but I'm saying, as soon as Chandler like started running with it. Yeah. And you saw no one coming to get the ball. That was when. But at the same time, it's like. It's split uh, seconds. Stuff. Yeah, it's I mean. Tough. I, I had no problem. Like, not no problem, but like, I, I, I thought it was weird. I was getting all these tweets from people like 
really complaining about what Penny was doing in the moment. I was just like, eh, I think it's just like, yeah, they were collapsing, but like it made a lot of sense why they were collapsing. Um, and here's the, the truth of the matter is they, their NCAA, I, like if, if Kendrick misses more than just the Houston game, like they're going to have trouble making the NCAA tournament. No, I think that's, that's I, my, that's my opinion. Well, I mean, uh, Wichita State game becomes, and that's why I would, that's why I would a hundred percent sit him on Sunday because it's too, it's much more important to have him available after that. Well, the other thing I was thinking is, you know what it was really what it really revealed last night. I mean, he Penny can talk however he wants, but he doesn't. He previously he had not truly valued a true point guard. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like he val- he valued a lot of guys that were kind of like him, where it's like big, long, athletic, and turn him well, into. Halo's a true point guard. Yeah, and, you know, and in terms, I don't of, know. I, I wonder though if it's this not a, it's not the perfect point guard by any but means. But this is a very different thing. Like I think what we have seen with Kendrick Davis is. You know how you know the fastest way to cut down on a team that is prone to turn it over? Mm-hmm. Have a point guard that doesn't turn it over. Yeah. And like I do think I think there's the opportunity where like this shows Penny, like in well, a, still, you've always got to have they're one of these better guys. with turnover. They're not the worst in the country. They're just right. middle of the pack now. Correct. Yeah. But I mean, th- do you realize how hard it is to go from to make that big of an improvement? Yeah. I mean that's jumping what, two hundred teams almost? Well, we'll see. Hopefully. I mean, I think they went from 350 to 150, right? I think they're 177 right now, and that's after last night where they probably hurt themselves. Last year they were 351, literally yeah. like the worst. But, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> that is such – like, that's the type of improvement that is statistically an anomaly. Yeah. By the way, they are alone in second place in the AAC standings, although Tulane is a half game behind – because they, they Tulane they, didn't have a midweek game this week. Well, their their game against ECU got postponed because ECU's announcer died. Ah, um, or something like I believe that's what happened. They've j- they rescheduled it for March third, um, so right before the final weekend of the season. Um, but it's basically become Memphis and Tulane jockeying for second and third, and barring Memphis sweeping Houston. That's probably they'll yeah, they're either going to be second when you start or third. doing the because Tulane does have one Memphis game left. I'm bigger point one Houston game left. I'm, I apologize, mm-hmm. but you start doing the math like they're going to have to lose. They're going to have to lose a game they're favored in. Yeah. Um. So and then you know, the, but I, I don't think it really. I mean, in the end, all that's going to matter is whether or not you're wearing light or dark jerseys. Well, it's the difference between playing. Likely, if you look at the standings in the quarters, if you're six. You're more likely to uh, you're playing third. Excuse me, if you're third, you're playing or second. It depends where you are. You could play either Wichita or UCF in the quarterfinals in like your Friday game. Yeah, and I think of the, the AAC tournament. I think if you had your choice, you'd play Wichita State. Well, they're, as you mentioned, they're playing better. They beat Temple last night. I, like, I think that game's going to be tricky on the road. I'd next like week. to. I need someone to tell me that watched that game. I have the suspicion that Temple might have might have packed it in. Well, it sounds like there's some they're having some bench some issues, cu- some culture issues, yeah, some bench issues, um, according to uh, one of the reporters who was there because it was in it was in Philly. They went into Philly, and that's and, what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I need someone that watched that game. Yeah. Um. Well, that's a good transition to our our last. What are we talking about before we get to Blake Topmeyer? Are you, Are you going to watch the All Star festivities, the NBA All Star festivities at all? Will you watch the All Star game with John Jaron in it? I mean, I suppose in the end you're watching There's nothing it, else there's no, on on Sunday night. There's nothing else on on Sunday night. 
I do think, though, this is interesting. Is it just, is this just a local feeling? Because it's very obvious to me. Ja did not make the All-Star game as big of a deal as he did last year. No. And I never got the sense the Grizzlies made the push for Jaron that big of a deal. Not, And I'm not, that's, that's not a, a critique. I'm just saying, like, I didn't sense that. Mm-hmm. So, does this All-Star game feel less significant because of, like, though the, the kind of the, the way we're feeling about it locally? Or does it, in general, feel less significant? Well, I think it, it the whole, the, everyone's attitude is affected by the fact that it's in Salt Lake City. Yeah, it does feel like there's a lot of guys that are... Like, why are we doing the All-Star? This, the All-Star game, like, I get it. You, you want to rotate it all around. Salt Lake City ain't an All-Star weekend town. Like, that's not, like, come on. Is this a spot they moved? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the particulars, but no, I think like Salt Lake City just wanted it. Like as part of like they, you know, they renovated their arena, you know, and that was, you know, they wanted to attract an all-star game. That was, and they did. Congratulations. Um, <laughs> but I will say this. It looks like from the reports of people who are now there in Salt Lake City, sounds like Nike is making this a big thing for Ja Morant with, because of the release of his shoe. Um, they've created like a 30 foot ice sculpture. Well, I mean, called Mount Twelve Ski that's like on display, you know, in theme with you know the the Rocky Mountains and Salt Lake City. I mean, there's that's pretty cool. There's no denying that. I mean, I think you can for all the criticism of Nike, you cannot criticize their marketing. Like in the end, I think that's kind of what they are more than anything is a marketing company. So my big things are so obviously tonight, Kenny Lofton uh, Jr. is in the Rising uh, Stars I'm gonna, game. I'm going to put about a. I'm passing at, on that. At I'm best, sorry. at best, the I side don't watch TV. him with the hustle. Why would I watch him in Correct. this? Like, best, at best, the side TV. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I'm gonna. I don't. I don't think I'm gonna spend time on that. I'll. I'll if he does something impressive, I'll catch the highlights. That's what I promised to do. I will say that's probably a good point. All NBA All Star Weekend is very consumable via social. Yeah, like you, uh, you catch the highlights. Um, because I also, I don't, I understand it matters to some people. I'm just not interested. I don't care about like the, the fashion aspect, like all the, the things like the things that are, I'm not interested in the parties that I would never get invited to. Correct. You know, right. Um, and and if you're into that, I get that, but it's not, it just doesn't appeal to me. I I get why like it's a, it's a, it's a cool thing for the NBA in that it's like, it really is like an, you know, especially when it's in a better city. It is like truly an event, a cultural event. I guess where I'm a little confused. I mean, is Salt Lake City really that worse of a destination than Cleveland? Well, I think Cleveland has more bars and clubs, if I recall. You know, it's not the greatest scene. Yeah. But like having been to Salt Lake City, like. But I mean, are these people, like, my point is. Aren't all these guys doing their own like private parties and whatnot? Like, so I, I'm. Yeah, but they want to, like, it's cold. Like, it's not like these guys are going skiing. Well, I mean, that obviously speaks to me. But, yeah. it's not, but my point is, it's not like Cleveland's. No, it's not I like know. Cleveland's a I tropical. Well, I don't think, I think if you pulled the NBA guys, they go, Cleveland's not a great all star weekend city either. Right. But it seems like there was way more. And maybe, maybe I'm overlooking the. Was, I guess LeBron made Cleveland, it was the return. Like, I'm coming. It was LeBron hosting, and so maybe that was a bigger reason why the Cleveland One, felt bigger. Yeah, maybe. Um, and then, because well, I, I am interested in this about the All-Star Weekend. 
I like that we have them picking teams. It adds a nice little dynamic yeah. to it. And so I am curious. And they're doing it right before the game this year rather than like, like last. As it, as it should be. <laughs> as it should pick be. pick teams and play. Now, we got news today that to avoid a last player picked situation, they're going to have the Giannis and LeBron pick the reserves, pick amongst the reserves first, and then pick amongst the starters to avoid like someone being designated the last selection. Well, but like, there's still everyone's pro- going to know. But like, my point is, there's still a last pick. Yes. And it's not going to be, you're not going to consider it one of the starters. You'll consider it who the last reserve is to be picked. R- right. But my point is, this uh, this whole thing of someone yeah. has to get picked last. Yeah. And either you don't finish the draft or someone gets finished. This is, Mark, I'm taking a stand. <laughs> this is the softest Adam Silver move I've ever seen. He does seem to kowtow to like the the like the screaming minority way too easily. He feels for like a commish. He feels like he's very online. Yeah. <laughs> or and, someone near him is correct. very online. And you know who the least online human being was on the face of the planet? David Stern. <laughs> David Stern did not care what the public thought. He he did what he thought was going to make the most money. But this other So last year um who was I mean, the t- final pick? What's his name? Kevin Durant had the last pick last year. Well, there, um, last year was the oh, awkward, like, is he going to pick it was, Harden or it was, not? It was Gobert was the last pick last year. And that's why I'm a little worried about Jaron. Because it doesn't feel like Jaron's kind of Gobert's replacement in yeah, this thing. Well, I was going to say, I think the reason why we're having it this year is it seems like Gobert would be all-time last pick. You know what I mean? Like... It, when you have Gobert at the All-Star game, it feels like everyone's in agreement that's the last pick. Not from a gameplay or anything. It's like they just don't like him. Now, I will say this. So, I do think we're getting some help with the replacement players. For instance, like I think Sabonis, Jaron's got a real shot over him. Julius Randle, I like was it that he's in it. Because yeah. I think Jaron could get over Julius Randle. Because Julius Randle is like one of those guys. Like, Jaron is going to be a guy who is going to be cool not taking very many shots. Julius Randle is going to be a, gonna get a few possessions. He's going to have to go get his. Yeah. Um, and, see, and that's why Drew Holiday, I think, will go because he's a veteran. I think he'll go early. I mean, that's the other thing you got to remember. Like, what are the relationships with these guys? Like, in. Well, Drew Holiday's also got the honest factor. If Giannis is picking teams, yeah, you're right. He, there's no way he's going. Uh, yeah, um, it's going to be interesting. Jaren's. It's going to be close for Jaren though. He's going to be one of the last picks. Yeah, and I still say though, this is the same thing as like Pascal Siakam. I could see him going over. This Pascal. is the same thing as med school or or law school graduation. They still call you lawyer. They still yeah. call you doctor. <laughs> but I I do think this stuff matters a little bit in the sense that, like, I think players will remember it. Like, well, then I'm fine if Jaron gets picked last. I, yeah. No, like, and I'll be interested where Ja gets. Like, who picks Ja? Ja says he doesn't care what team he's on. He'd like to be uh, on Jaron's team. Do you think Do you think we'll get Ja and Jaron on I, the same team? I hope team? so. Um, I kind of – I still like the East-West. Like, I'm – my thing is, if they would do the draft like they should, which is – 
televise it and don't make it like scripted mm-hmm. and they would just pick teams. I think that's that's interesting. Like I want to watch that because that tells you what they think about other players. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that that's fascinating to me. Yes. But they've it's become so watered down and like we're just so worried about hurting feelings now that it's like I don't care. I do wonder maybe are they are they placating players right now? Because I think this new we will talk about this in the second hour. I think this new CBA could get contentious, and I wonder if they're like, all right, we're going to give them what they want now because this this collective bargaining agreement could go could be could be very uh, emotional. We'll dive into more NBA next hour in the list, but when we come back, Blake Topmeyer of the USA Today Network will join us. We'll talk to him about the latest in college football, the collapse of the Pac-12, Justin Fields uh, alleging some nefarious activity at Ohio State, Jeffrey. Um, So lots to dive into with Blake. You're listening to the Giannotto and Jeffrey Show on 92.9 FM. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. SPN. Blake Topmeyer is the SEC columnist for the USA Today Sports Network. He's on Twitter at BTopmeyer. All right, Blake. I, I confess, this is actually not me being like the, oh, I don't read Barstool guy. Like, I, I listened to part of my take. I did not listen to the Justin Fields interview, so all I've seen is the clip. Is this Was that a legitimate moment where Justin Fields said Ohio State gave him 300, 400, the bins, whatnot? It, was, that, was that a serious thing, or was that a part of my take joke? Uh, I don't know. I think you know more about this than, than I do, so I, I, I can't help you out. I, I think it was... I, think, I mean, th- I watched the clip, and the clip did not seem serious. Ho- no, it, it did. Yeah, I think it, I think it, it was. It seemed think... legit, but like I'm sitting there going, like, does that? I don't know. Like to me, like it was an interesting aspect because what I found fascinating by it is, okay, forget whether or not, like, okay, cheating. Who who cares? Like we, we're so... Ohio State was paying players for NIL. I don't believe it. What I, I don't believe it, Jeffrey. But what I did find fascinating is included in the quote. Blake was Justin Fields saying before NIL, like nobody was Ohio State was paying more than SEC schools. And I find it fascinating because, you know, 
I think that this is interesting that these schools that have been used to being the alpha in the under the table world, like Ohio State, still recruiting fine, but they are not, you know, they're not at the upper echelon of the sport. And like I do, I do think it's fascinating as we move forward. Like, is there going to be like a resetting of who actually gets all the players? I think a, a little bit, um, but. I don't think it's going to be sweeping change. I think there's going to be a handful of programs that are a little bit more of a player in the recruiting battles than used to be. And and there might be a couple programs that, uh, that take it on the chin a little bit. But I mean, I think if you, if you look at the recruiting rankings um, and we can have the whole argument on the rankings don't mean anything. Yeah, they do. They're, they're right more often than not. See Georgia. Yeah, I, I mean, exactly. Right. Yeah. Why, why have they been winning the last two national championships? Because they have the best players and, and then they develop them. But if you look at the rankings this year, I mean, you have Alabama number one, you have Georgia number two, you have Texas number three. Um, I mean, that's, that's not overly out of the ordinary, right? You have LSU, I think, in the top six. Uh, Oklahoma's in the top five. Uh, I can't remember who the, who the other team is. I think Ohio State maybe is five. So it's not, you know, it's not like all of a sudden out of left field, um, you know, these nobody programs are signing the best players. I do think if you can pool your resources together, you can get maybe a four or five star prospect that you would not have been able to get otherwise. If you make that person a priority, you make them a really strong offer. Maybe they sign with you, whereas before they would have just defaulted to Alabama, Georgia, or someone like them. I do think there's some opportunities uh, for programs to really pool their resources and get someone. I think there's opportunities for programs to pool their resources behind the transfer portal um, and become one of the best destinations to go to as a transfer. You know, if you say, look, we're not going to sign a top 15 class anyway. So instead of pooling, pouring all of our resources into that, let's go out and get some of the best transfers possible and make us be the destination for guys on the second go around. I think that could be an opportunity for programs, but I don't think we're going to see, and we haven't been seeing like this total turning on the head of, of programs that were nobodies for the last 25 years, all of a sudden are taking, taking over the sport thanks to NIL. Yeah, I mean, essentially kind of what you laid out there. I mean, isn't that more or less what Lane's doing? Yeah, and, and he's admitted, like, um, I mean, I don't know if he's put it quite in this, these terms, but he's admitted that he knows Ole Miss is not going to sign top 10 high school recruiting classes. He knows it, and instead of, like, banging your head against the wall and wishing that weren't true – He's, I don't want to say he's given up on high school recruiting. He hasn't. He's still signing like 15 guys in a class, but he's signing the, you know, the 15 three star type guys that you need to build a program of 85 scholarship players. And then he's really going hard in the portal. And, and, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't necessarily get everybody, everybody wants in the portal. There, there are some misses, but if you look at it, like they're doing it almost as well as anybody is. And I think, you know, if, if you got to make your, your decision between investing and retaining your current talent, which I think they've done with Quinshawn Judkins, right? And then uh, yes. where, where else do you apply your resources? Well, you can apply your resources toward signing a bunch of three and maybe some four-star guys, or you could apply it toward signing 10 of the best transfers out of the portal. And, and I think, you know, I, I think we've, we've seen that with, with, with Ole Miss. How interested are you in the – uh, budding online rivalry between Lane Kiffin and Hugh Freeze? Uh, not that interested um, because, 
you know, I mean, Lane does it a little bit with, with Kirby, too. And, and what's that really meant? A whole lot of nothing, right? I'm not sure Kirby even really notices. But he, he's kind of done that, that whole deal with Kirby because Lane's kind of in Saban's corner in, in, in that head-to-head matchup for whatever reason, I guess, because he's, he's grateful for, for Nick resurrecting his career. Um, the freeze thing, I think, makes sense because of the, the shared recruiting terrain, right, that he, could, he would try to, to needle Hugh. I, I think those are easy – He's an easy target. I mean, Hugh Freeze is one of the easiest targets in, in sports. And if you look at it, um, who does Lane often go after on, on Twitter in, in terms of trying to gig him? Like low hanging fruit. Some of the easier targets. He's not going after Saban on Twitter. Uh, you know, and, no, he goes and, after and Jimbo. He, Jimbo, yeah, yeah. He, he he loves going after Jimbo, who's who's one of the easiest targets in sport right now. And even though I say like he needles Kirby some, there's a line he won't cross with Kirby. There, there's a line he'll he'll cross with Jimbo. And he'll cross with you, but he's not going to cross with Kirby. And so, yeah, I'm not, I'm not too interested. I mean, it kind of follows the lane playbook. He's, he's really good at it. I mean, he's, he's kind of a, a genius in a way on, on Twitter that a lot of coaches aren't. Um, sometimes I think he forgets where the line is. I mean, I think he certainly forgot where the line is, is um, in the whole, is he leaving? Is he staying? I'm going to embarrass a TV reporter who had an inac- inaccurate report. Um, you know, he does sometimes forget where the line is, but more times than not, he, he stays within it. And he knows, like I said, he, he knows who he can pick on and who he can't. And, and I think he sees you as, as someone he can pick on it. A year or two from now, that might be different. But I think Lane's priority is making sure it doesn't get to that point. And I don't know that his Twitter efforts are going to keep that from happening, though. Uh, curious if you saw the SP Plus rankings, the preseason ones that came out earlier this week. In the SEC, so it's got Georgia 1, Bama number 4, with Ohio State and Michigan in between at 2-3, Penn State 5, Tennessee 6, LSU 7, then the next SEC team, well, Texas is 9 if you want to consider them an SEC team, Oklahoma 14, and then A&M 17, Ole Miss 18, Florida 20. Mississippi State twenty three, Kentucky twenty four, Auburn twenty six. Um, what do you make? Is that what you expect? I was, I figured LSU would be ahead of Tennessee in some of these in yeah. ratings, but maybe different yeah. division. Yeah, I, I would too. I think, uh, yeah, maybe scheduling comes into comes into play there. Uh, there are some that I, I think it's actually. I think it's usually most of it's for like expected production. It's not, you know what I mean? Like, it's not really necessarily based on like predicted win loss. It's like expected production on both sides of the ball. Gotcha. Which is weird because in in uh, Bill C's rankings from ESPN, he 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 rates LSU as, as having some of the, the best returning production in the conference, which is which is no surprise. I mean, they they return nine starters on offense and about half their starters on on defense. It would make sense why they rank really high in his you know returning production metric. Um, but Tennessee ranks really high in, in that metric, too. So I'm not surprised to see Tennessee high. I am a little surprised to, to think that they're ahead of, ahead of, ahead of LSU. Um, Texas A&M makes sense. We've, we've talked about this before. If you put the five and, secret, pie, the five and seven record aside and you just look at their returning production this year, I think there's, there's a lot of reason to believe that, uh, that A&M would be a top 25 team uh, if you can put last year out of your brain. Um, the one that, that surprises me, you said Florida is, is 20? Yeah, yes. In, 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 that, that, that doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, in, in terms of returning production, in terms of the question they have at quarterback, in terms of the way they finished last season, 
I mean, what on earth? And I know essentially it has him. It has him finishing second in the East. Has him as I mean, the second best team in the Graham, East. Third, excuse me, third best team in the East. Is Graham Mertz their quarterback? I think he's got to be right now. Okay, I, then I, I don't. I know the team I'm fading. Yeah, I mean, I, I, and not that, and that's not an endorsement of Graham Mertz. It's when you look at that room, they have like a project recruit they signed a couple years ago. Um, they have what is it, Jack Miller, who started in in the bowl game, and you know, Florida in their bowl game was terrible. And then they have Graham Mertz. Um, so I think it's I think it's got to be him by default, unless they go out and get get somebody else. But I don't know who you're going to get at at this this juncture. Um, you know, even when the portal reopens in April, I think the guys that are entering the portal in April are going to be entering the portal because they're number two or number three on the depth chart. Uh, and they're they're not happy about that. They're entering for a reason. I don't I don't think you're going to find any, with few exceptions. I don't think you're going to find any star frontline quarterbacks hopping and hopping in the portal uh, come April. So yeah, I think it's probably going to be Graham Mertz at Florida, which makes me think they have no business being ranked that high. Because even when you look beyond beyond quarterback, I mean they sustained a lot of losses this offseason, either just due to. Um, you know, departure due to eligibility or, or due to guys exiting and transfers. And I mean, the recruiting class was okay, but it wasn't, it wasn't uh, Texas A&M's recruiting class last year. Um, not that that was enough to save A&M. So yeah, that, that one to me stands out as probably the biggest outlier of, of thinking Florida is, is, is that high um, in these rankings. Is How, the, sorry, go ahead. Is the big 12 going to win this stare down with the That's Pac-12? Where I was going, yeah. Like, is it like, we've got prominent writers Speculate like Dennis Dodd wrote a story today about like well what happens to the 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 Pac-12 teams if the Pac-12 dissolves, um, which would you know whoever thought of the idea for those presidents to put out that like message of solidarity like that is like the, so, the when you have to put out the message of solidarity that's the sign that you're it's not. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network. From big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 